0: Welcome to Think Again, a podcast by Macquarie Asset Management, providing financial advisors with a fresh perspective and innovative insights, designed to keep you and your clients a step ahead.
1: Thank you for tuning in. I'm Denise St. Ivany. Today, I'm joined once again by Daniela Madarovich, Senior Portfolio Manager and Co-Head of the U.S. Multi-Sector Fixed Income Team here at Macquarie Asset Management. Daniela, so great to have you back.
2: It is lovely to be back with you, Denise, again.
1: Well, on previous episodes, you've talked about how bonds are bonds again, and the presence of yield as a welcoming sign for individual investors. What are some implications for you as a portfolio manager?
2: Well, Denise, I did feel for, for a short amount of time last year when I was talking about, you know, the bond wave coming and all those lovely, lovely uh, discussions we had, That I may have taken people by surprise, but lo and behold, it does turn out that the most important element for expected returns uh, in fixed income is income. And for the first time in almost a generation, it turns out, right, we have bonds, High quality, good old, you know, not obscure things people can understand. We have bonds sporting a really respectable yield. So by way of example, we're looking at our flagship, you know, diversified income fund. And the yield, the yield to maturity on the fund is in the context of 6%. And when's the last time we got to have those conversations? So in some respects, in terms of consequences going forward, it isn't just what are we doing about it as portfolio managers. Maybe the most important takeaway is for clients and investors and asset allocators to think, oh, wow, we are in the midst of a lot of complicated undercurrents, you know, socially, politically, cyclically. You take policy, you take so many unknowns. environment that folks probably usually wouldn't feel terribly good about but for a change bonds have reacquired what we loved about them they have yield and they respond correctly to scary things so in some respect reallocating and refocusing on the bread and butter diversified fixed income portfolios becomes critical more from Im- for investors in some respect than even for portfolio managers. So it's an environment we are so excited about.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, now that yields are up from prior years and with a possible Fed pause, some individuals may be thinking about potential re-entry points or looking at timing their portfolios. How should advisors guide clients in the coming weeks and months with regard to that?
2: So Denise it's interesting because you know we we hear this question quite a bit the timing the timing and it feels very complicated but in practice one of the beautiful aspects and I know I said beautiful about bonds one of the beautiful aspect of bond math is that once you have some clarity on the starting yield and you have some clarity around your investment horizon your return expectations are actually fairly straightforward. If you are looking at broad bond funds that have a starting yield of 6%, if you hang on to them for five or six years, that's about the average expected return you can get from them, which is fascinating. Secondarily, and even more sort of a topic of discussion, I'm sure for many folks, some confusion, is we all know that, We are in the middle of the second most aggressive tightening cycle, right, in the modern era. We all know that. So a lot of people are understandably reticent because they, you know, we just went through what we call the 100-year storm where we had negative returns for bonds, and that was an awful environment. So many are asking, well, shouldn't we wait some more to see and to make sure that it is absolutely clear that we're past the peak pain? And the answer to that is is believe it or not also pretty straightforward. We took a look at all the recent uh, uh tightening cycles, fed cycles. And what we discovered is that early is on time when it comes to getting back into ample exposure to bonds. What that means is markets being forward-looking, long-term interest rates tend to stabilize long before it's clear to the entire universe that we've seen the last hike. So even if we may yet get another hike from the Fed, maybe it's a positive plus pause plus one more hike, it's very clear that we're approaching the end, And from the perspective of timing and from the perspective of participating in this great secular opportunity, it is much better to be early than late in this this environment. Actually, in, in some ways, for us portfolio managers, it's very interesting to hear what you all see in the field and what you're hearing from advisors and from their end clients. What are their concerns? How are they thinking about
1: this environment? Well, I think the way you described it is certainly the concern of the advisor, you know, and and on behalf of their clients. It's It's going back to overall um, portfolio construction. How much should they put in cash? How much should they put in bonds? And then how much, you know, to the equity markets? And so I think coming off of a more volatile time in the bond market, and certainly we're seeing a volatility in the equity market, too. I think that people are just more concerned than usual in giving the, the standard sort of you know, typical allocation to bonds. So I think you know, uh, sharing those thoughts about being early is on time for the bond market is good advice. Because uh, you don't want to wait too long to get back into your bond portfolios if you have been out, um, uh, just to make sure that you're able to capitalize on that additional yield that we are seeing from the bond investments these days.
2: Those are great points, um, Denise. And actually, I recall you mentioning to me in the past that some folks are wondering whether cash is the right place to be,
1: right? Absolutely, that's a concern.
2: And I thought that maybe we should tackle that as well quite directly because there's a bit of misunderstanding around that notion. So many people are looking right now at inverted yield curve. And what does the inverted yield curve mean? It means that if you stay nice and short or in cash, your yield is so much bigger than long-term yield. So so many people understandably are saying, well, why on earth should I take interest rate risk as they think of it, Right. And as intuitive as it sounds, it's believe it or not precisely the opposite of how we should be thinking about this. And here's why. There's a reason we call Fed policy cycles cycles. It means that they peak and then they go in the other direction. So what t- tends to happen, we're, we're clearly very late in this cycle. We either saw the last hi- hike or we're very, very close to the last hike, right? So when we think about that, now consider your investment horizon, right? And by all means, for things where you need cash tomorrow, have cash. That's the right solution. But if you're thinking about long-term investment, right? You're thinking about five or 10 years out, consider this. What you know about cash right now is the yield that you're earning today. You don't know the yield that you're going to earn tomorrow, and certainly not the yield you're going to earn five years from now. Now, with fixed bonds that have longer maturity is what you know, is that if you allocate now to longer term bonds, then you have some degree of certainty that that's basically the yield you can lock in, as they call it, lock in, right? You can expect for an extended period of time and most importantly to the point of the cycle is they have I I I like to show this you know complicated visual of the pivot uh in the yield curve inversion. But the next stage of a yield curve inversion tends to be a yield curve steepening. And what that means is short-term interest rates will eventually go down, where long-term interest rates get to be a bit more stable. And that's where you take advantage of that lock in when you have a long-term investment horizon. So that's the very, very confusing, somewhat backward sounding math. But that is the reason we think it's so important to be early
1: uh, from 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 that decision. Got it. Appreciate that. So what about um your expectations from the plus sectors in a diversified portfolio right now? Should investors be wary of credit? Well so there
2: are a number of elements. this believe it or not, the answer to this is not quite as, as straightforward as it sounds. We our product team did some uh, wonderful work recently and we looked deliberately at a number of different um, strategies that are available for investors to say, okay, well, what happens when you are in an inverted yield curve environment? Where should you be according to what we know historically? And what we found, some things were not at all surprising. Uh, for example, you know, higher volatility areas of the market tend to not perform as well. Equities obviously tend to to underperform because inverted yield curves tend to be associated with recessions. But similarly, on the fixed income side, you know, when you look at plus sectors on a standalone basis, they don't have excellent returns the area that does especially well is actually core plus portfolios. Why is that the case? Two reasons. The first is after yield curve inversion, as you head into an environment that's more economically stressful, The longer yield in these core plus funds, the longer duration, sort of the exposure to longer term yields in these bond funds is very helpful. So it's great. So you have these nice, nice total returns. But also because core plus funds also have exposure tactically, as we like to say, with a great degree of agility, that is really key to things like high yield or emerging markets debt or other areas that traditionally may be areas to avoid before a recession when the recession does hit or if you have headlines like the debt ceiling or headlines or debt ceiling negotiations and the concerns associated with that or headlines around uh, the regional banking tremors that we saw earlier this year. Those are the times where the flexibility of a core plus fund means that very quickly taking advantage of opportunities in the plus sectors can add so much more value over the long run. So it's fascinating. The answer is no, not right now. Plus sectors should be treated on a very much bond by bond basis. Certainly not a time to move into them aggressively. We're still looking at sort of a pivot in the economy Usually not a great time for the credit cycle, but it's very important to retain the flexibility and the ability to quickly step in when there is value presented.
1: Flexibility is key. I think I've heard you talk about that before. Well, so from your perspective, what are the other risks for diversified bond investors right now? And how are you managing those? Well,
2: Denise, one of the things that we've talked quite a bit about, and we are just wrapping up our global strategic forum, and it it was fascinating to hear... How many things were precisely as we expected, but then also that the maturity of the cycle is now revealing some things that are popping about that couldn't have been very easily predicted. So, you know, on one hand, we're clearly in an environment where we are transitioning from being, you know, inflation being the biggest concern, you know, inflation appears to have peaked. There will still be a long period of uncertainty and surprises from you know, PCE and CPI and things that make us a little bit uncomfortable with whether or not this is done. The growth component, but but we're past peak, right? We're definitely moving in the right direction. The growth component, now we're transitioning where we are concerned about a recession, right? We're late in the cycle. That's where we are. And here, too, some of the surprises have been that the market overall, the economy overall, and particularly the job market, appears to be a little bit more resilient than one would have expected after a hiking cycle like this and with so much liquidity being removed from the market. So we know those interplays will create some volatility, so... Agility is key, right? So for for an investor in diversified fixed income bonds, our view is very simple. The first piece is respect where you are in the cycle. That's why we've transitioned to being modestly long duration versus modestly short duration, right? So we've talked quite a bit about that at the end of last year but we are now a lot more comfortable with the value of longer term, the stability of longer term securities. So that's the first big piece, just respect where we are in the cycle. The second piece goes back to agility. Financial markets are multiple times larger than real economies now. So that the markets react, can react very violently and with quite a lot of sort of gusto to headlines that may or may not eventually go away. And maintaining, being on your toes and having some liquid capital reserve and being responsive to to when the market's too euphoric, like they were in in January, and then vice versa, when opportunity presents, when the market gets a little too concerned, taking advantage of those opportunities, that will be key. Staying on your toes, agility, and be comfortable with, with the discomfort of this environment.
1: I appreciate those insights. Well, it has certainly been a challenging macro environment, but ripe with opportunity. How about uh, sharing with us how you and your team employ this process that balances both the opportunities and managing for risks?
2: One of my favorite things about how our team operates is we we like to have a plan. It's, It's all about the plan. We know how we will react and when. And it's because we respect the fact that we're human beings. Investors are quintessentially human beings. So what we want to do is both in terms of how we communicate and how we share thoughts about the current environment and the global strategic forum. We have a very clear process about you know, analyzing the macroeconomic inputs, getting input from every single sector specialist, their views, what they are seeing on the ground from the bottom up, getting views from the research analysts. oftentimes the most interesting things that come about, come about some very much from the grassroots rather than just looking at big economic sort of details. What's the direction of AI? Believe it or not, a lot of that doesn't come from the obvious macroeconomic ana- analysis. So from a process perspective, having these discussions, testing ourselves on what we believe becomes very important. But equally important is having a philosophy, an approach to risk-taking beforehand. And this is where, for diversified income in particular, and, and all fixed income portfolios that we manage it's important for our investors to know what our game plan is. And the way we look at the markets is twofold. Number one, we think about interest rates as these big, long cycles, and we don't like to try to time the market all the time. That's a risk management tool for us. So very much throughout this entire sort of cycle, you saw that manifest. We weren't trying to be you know, particularly dynamic. We wanted to respect when we needed to hedge risk from being short duration the last couple of years, when it was time to transition to having a little bit more exposure and allowing sort of that that longer duration to help the markets. That is the stability, the risk management through cycle. The second component though, has to do with the fact that most risk assets tend to offer the best value in the extremes think about how credit spreads move right going into the going into 2022 the market was very very comfortable spreads were that incremental compensation for risk was really crummy not exciting and boy was there liquidity everywhere you looked well That's the environment in which, as we call it, standing against the tide and building up your liquidity capital becomes very important. And vice versa, in environments where, hey, you know, Russia invades Ukraine. That was entirely surprising. We need to think differently. Down the road, we see credit spreads start to get very, very concerned with recession risk, and you're starting to see a lot of value in investment-grade corporates, agency mortgage-backed securities. That's actually the time to shift gears, look at the fear, look at some of that, um, sort of irrational reaction to the market and capitalize value. And that's to us the, the, the other side of standing against the tide is to find opportunities when everybody else is ready to go in the opposite direction and spend down that liquid capital reserve. So in a nutshell, just to sum it up, what our process aims to do is to provide clarity, not just to us, but to our investors be very risk-managed around sort of the long secular shifts in duration and stand against the tide when it comes to individual investments in more credit risk segments. That's that's so important to how we operate.
1: That was a wonderful way to close how you approach um, the markets and balancing opportunity and risks. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today, Really enjoyed the conversation and your perspective. Again, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure as always. Well, remember, you can always get more insights from our investment teams uh, via our website. Just visit Delawarefunds.com to learn more. And of course, please join us next time as we discuss another topic for investors to consider.
0: Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for more information on topics from this episode. And be sure to subscribe to Think Again wherever you get your podcasts. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk including the possible loss of principle. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs and seek advice. No representation or warrant expressed or implied is made as to the accuracy of completeness of the information, opinions and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Macquarie Asset Management is a full-service asset manager offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. The public investment business is a part of Macquarie Asset Management and includes investment products and advisory services distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors, LP, a registered broker slash dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment investment Advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of MIMBT. Macquarie Group refers to Macquarie Group Limited and its subsidiaries and affiliates worldwide. Delaware Funds by Macquarie refers to certain investment solutions that Macquarie Asset Management Public Investments distributes, offers, refers, or advises. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution. For the purposes of the Banking Act 1959, The obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities Do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of the Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment, nor do they guarantee guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.